Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Amazer Comic Book Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Bolin, and I am joined today by Brian Mark. Hello. And Todd Relu. Hi. Hello. Yep, the, it's the three of us again today. We are minus our fourth chair. Three uh, amigos. The th- yeah, exactly. That's right. That, that, that fourth chair is a rotating optional chair. So these are the three <laughs> chairs. Or maybe three, three pegs of one three-legged stool like three feathers and a cap and that (laughs) we are the pegs that is we are holding up the platform upon which the recording sits (laughs) exactly it's a microphone stand my microphone stand has three legs so it's perfect yeah i took those things off i took those three legs off and i attached it to a little scissor arm wow yeah i haven't done that yet i've got a fancy setup that's an investment i haven't made yet Mm -hmm. (laughs) today we are discussing the unbeatable squirrel girl issues one through four and it's kind of difficult to discuss like which one it is because there's actually two volumes of the unbeatable squirrel girl from 2015 with the exact same creative team this is the first one so the one that i think premiered in like january or, or some such month in the year mm-hmm. uh so volume one i think uh unless there were any other volumes of the unbeatable squirrel girl but i don't believe that there were i hope i read the right one no, I yeah i hope so too did yours involve galactus yes good we are on the same page then yay yay but before <laughs> we dive into the unbeatable squirrel girl we need to discuss what we're drinking y'all ready yes. for this yeah. i am I had this whole thing planned for your wife, Todd. Uh, For the listeners out there, Todd's wife was planning on joining us, but she is unable to this week because of illness. Yeah, she's ill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I was going to, you know, like announce her name like the most excited. And then I had this whole like NBA music thing I was going to do and all that. Do, um, save it. Save it. Do, we'll do, surprise you with do, it in the future. Okay, yeah, no. We'll, oh. we'll Are you just then. were you gonna sing it or were you gonna like <laughs> sound sound clip? Well I came yeah. up with it in the shower this morning, so singing it was definitely uh, all I was prepared to do. <laughs> what? You came up with your own NBA theme song? Yeah. Okay. Alright. <laughs> Brian, what are you drinking? I I made a cocktail. It's called Bourbonade. <laughs> I don't know if it's a real thing or not. It's just instead of like a mint julep, it's it's lemon juice. So it's like lemon simple syrup uh bourbon and then some seltzer and is some it, ice is it pretty good uh yeah did you just invent it today or was this something you'd already invented and brought to the podcast today no i looked what i had in my fridge and i said hey i have some lemons i'm gonna make lemonade nice and then i poured bourbon in it you got creative <laughs> i'm impressed i like it <laughs> that counts as creativity i wish I that so. yeah i wish that you'd been in in indiana this weekend and made it all made it for all of us that would have been exciting yeah yeah. That's right. You should send out the recipe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just did. Put I just it on a trading card. <laughs> that's all it is. Okay. <laughs> trading. Ooh, trading cards. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's Very relevant. Topical. Yeah, it is. Okay. Todd, what are you drinking? I also did something of a mixed drink today, but it's a coffee mixed drink. Uh-oh. And uh, yes, I know. It's not like <laughs> any of those that we made in college. We had one night where Kyle and I and Dave, our friend, made <laughs> and coffee drinks. And was Scott there too? He's yeah, the one that anyway. invented the brown dirty bear. Okay, oh, I was gonna yeah, say, that was the, the most memorable bear. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it was <laughs> we made a bunch of awful coffee drinks in college. <laughs> this is actually good, um, and one of the the key element is the Seaworth Coffee Co. Uh, thick and rich. It's called Single Fin Sludge, <laughs> but it's Ew. basically yeah, I know it sounds awful, but it's great. It's cold brewed <laughs> coffee, <laughs> and you mix that with milk and simple syrups, all right, liquid sugar, mm. and then also Kahlua, and it's it's pretty good it's much mm. better than anything we made in college <laughs> it's much better mm. than the brown dirty bear i would hope so 
<laughs> Which was an awful, awful creation. But it got submitted to some like alcohol creation website, and it was the only one that we created that night that actually got um, accepted. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. What are you drinking, Kyle? I am drinking a bottle of barefoot bubbly Moscato Spumante champagne. Oh boy. <laughs> that Scott, uh, our sometimes fourth chair, uh, left at my house in New Year's Eve 2014. <laughs> I love booze fairies, though, that leave booze mm-hmm. at your house. It's been in our fridge since then, and uh, my wife was really, really suspicious of opening it and then drinking it. But I was like, D- isn't champagne one of those things that like people drink like decades after? No. Well, too bad. I'm drinking it right now, and it tastes like every other <laughs> bottle of champagne I've ever had. Two years is not that long, so... Good. Yeah, no, it smelled there fine. It didn't smell like poison, and I don't... I feel okay right now. Yeah. If, it's, if it smells like ass, it's bad. It did not smell like ass. It smelled like champagne. <laughs> okay, you're that's good. A, that's a very scientific test. Mm-hmm, also, yeah. Kyle, if you kill yourself, then your chair will also become rotating. Look, if we survive those brats I made this weekend, then <laughs> I think I can survive this bottle of champagne. I didn't eat any of them. I totally <laughs> I had know. one later that day. Did, did you undercook them? Uh, I wasn't sure what I did. We're, there was a color blindness issue. Yeah. <laughs> about Uh-oh. pink meat. Oh, because they're like pink. <laughs> yeah. Right. So he doesn't know. <laughs> but everybody else said they looked okay. So Yeah, no, they did. I they see. looked fine. My son ate one and is still surviving. So yeah. <laughs> glad the Trichinosis is mostly eliminated, guys, just so you know. It's just making it's gonna make him stronger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so Unbeatable Squirrel Girl issue one, volume one, I believe. Uh, we open up Squirrel Girl and we are introduced to Squirrel Girl immediately sitting up in a tree singing her theme song, which apparently goes to the same tune of the classic 1960s Spider-Man cartoon theme song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she's basically singing her version of that while she jumps out of the tree and beats up some muggers, it looks like, who are uh, robbing a man of his purse. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Which he then says is a leather satchel. So that was a pretty funny joke. I thought it's it's a classic take, right? The purse stealing. We saw Superman deal with it last week. This is mm-hmm. the this is the typical low level crime, especially something that Spider Man deals with. Yeah, which I, I think is appropriate, right? Oh, absolutely. For this particular hero. Yeah, I think she's a direct comparison to Spider Man. She was created she by Steve Ditko, who's one of the co creators of Spider Man. Oh, well, there you go. And when was she created? Nineteen ninety. You guys weren't expecting it to be that that recent, were you? What? Oh, my God, yeah. Um, But I think that she's a a very direct play on Spider-Man in a lot of ways. Uh, The whole, like, uh, proportional speed and strength of a squirrel is... Right, yeah. uh, Yeah, a direct joke to, you know, this proportionate strength and speed of a spider. She's got partially squirrel blood. Exactly, yeah. She's like... Spider blood, spider blood, radioactive spider blood. Exactly. Yeah, everything that um, is kind of a joke, like a, a sort of like a, a take on some sort of superhero trope, is generally some sort of Spider-Man uh, element of some sort. So she's kind of a parody of Spider-Man, but apparently she's also a real legit hero within the Marvel universe because um, she's shown up in in some other more serious comics than this. I guess before we jump further into the plot and the events of this comic, it's probably worthwhile to note that this is definitely a comedic comic. Uh, as yeah. far as Marvel goes, this is uh, far more silly and whimsical um, and, and, in, and a lot of times tongue-in-cheek than, than the other comics, I think, in Marvel's Marvel's whole lineup. Uh, there's, there's, there's a couple more, I, I think, since the 
uh, the all new, all new Marvel, uh, all new, all different Marvel, and, and launched in 2015. You know, we had Silver Surfer and Howard the Duck were also kind of out there as far as like humor and uh, whimsy and everything um, in terms of the tone compared to the normal Marvel lineup. Uh, but this one is definitely, I think, leaning into the comedy heavier than either of those two, even even so. Um, yeah, and I, I think you know, coming into this book. It helps to have some grounding in some of the traditional superhero tropes. Yeah. Um, because I know Abby's not in the podcast, but of course she was preparing to, and so she read it. And I don't think it had as much of an effect on her because she didn't, you know, so many of these things are done and done again. And part of the surprise, I think, is when you're experienced with comic books, you start to predict that it's going to go left, and then she goes right, you know, in a way that she's got sort of a creative solution to all of these different problems. Uh, that that you may not see in another book because it's a comedic book because mm-hmm. it's willing to take a comedic angle on this stuff uh, with characters who have very serious and heavy backstories and when we run into them in other contexts it's sort of you know very dire you know when Galactus shows up for example that's usually a, a shit hitting the fan moment <laughs> right but you know not for Squirrel Girl you know and so I think that's that's part of the beauty of this book yeah all of the the dilemmas in this book are played up far more comedically and and less uh serious than they are in uh comparative like moments in other books uh right yeah and and not only that but i mean the the book plays with the comic book format in other ways too where we have the narrator in tiny 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 little font down at the bottom of every page making some little like joke about what happened in the panels above uh which kind of breaks the fourth wall and I think that there's some other ways in which the comic breaks the fourth wall. I don't know that the characters ever necessarily break the fourth wall in the way that Deadpool might. But, you know, like, she carries around a deck of uh, trading cards for all the villains in the Marvel Universe. And she uses those as a reference guide to figure out how she should defeat them. And oftentimes the jokes on there are, uh, you know, they're obviously jokes. And so, like, there's sort of a fourth wall breaking element to those those cards yeah. too. Well, right. well, Deadpool's guide to supervillains. Yeah, which I mean, I guess there you go. Deadpool is known as the one that breaks the fourth wall in the Marvel universe these days, so it makes sense that that, that deck of card is uh, named after him or, or developed by him or whatnot. Yeah, it took me right. a while to notice the uh, text at the bottom because it was yellow, mm-hmm. and I, I was like, I didn't really notice it until maybe yeah, it's super faint. Yeah. yeah, it's super faint on a white background, I guess, and it was like right up against the borders. Yeah. So it took me a while and I was like, oh crap, now I have to go back and read it, Yeah, if you're not really looking for it, it kind of just looks like some sort of like like fine print or like legal print that they would put down at the bottom of a page and you would just like, you know, completely skip it and ignore it. I think I missed it uh, the first time I read through this story because this is actually my second read through of Squirrel Girl. And the first time through, I think I ended up having to go back about half the issue once I realized that was happening. Um, which is kind of a cool moment, actually, to just be like, oh, my God, there's this whole other element here. And now I need to, like, flip back and read the issue over again. And it was worth it because the jokes are often amusing and occasionally, you know, genuinely, like, funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure how important the, you know, moment-to-moment plot is in this book because uh, a lot of it is, you know, jokes or a lot of it is amusing uh, interactions and amusing situations. And the best thing to do would just be to say... You know, if you're interested in a silly, fun, uh, light-hearted book, to go read this. Um, I mean, first and of all, I mean, we, we usually see, yeah, I know we usually save like you know like whether or not we liked it for the end. But I kind of feel like front-loading it on this particular uh, discussion, just because I don't want to go into every single joke in the issue. But I want to say I really enjoyed the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, just as far as like you know a a fun, uh, funny 
read goes, this is about as good as it gets in the comic format. And so I personally would recommend anybody that's listening to this uh, who is interested in something fun and lighthearted and funny to go and find this either in you know the uh, the collected format like on Amazon or if you have access to Marvel Unlimited, uh, it's all up there. The first volume, uh, the first eight issues of the which the first volume is eight issues and it's all available on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, what did you guys think? Did you enjoy it too? Oh uh, yeah, abs- go ahead, Brian. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, I absolutely did. I think I wound up. Uh, I- <laughs> I think I wound up s- suggesting this. I think this was my recommendation on the Spawn episode, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, so I'd read it right in juxtaposition of this. And I think the the um, the beginning of Jason Aaron's uh, Scout, uh, which were all, you know, very serious or took themselves very seriously. I mean, I don't know. You can argue that Spawn is more of a jokey, takes itself less serious book. But it's sort of the 90s. <laughs> the quintessential 90s comic book. And so it's just like everything to the extreme and juxtaposing Squirrel Girl against those really made it stand out and and really showed how creative uh, it was and how genuinely humorous it was. I will say the one thing is I've read it now twice and going back to it a second time, it, it doesn't have the same shine as it did the first time through just because, you know, you know you're, you're predicting the jokes and... I think really there was some genuine surprise uh, for me the first time I read it with the creativity that that Ryan North and and uh, Erica Henderson brought to the book that's sort of lost on a, a second or a third reading. But I mean it's it's well worth it for your first time through. It's just it's it's amazingly well done, and you just really feel like these creators are are pushing against the limits of what comic books can do, and really thinking about how to tell stories in in interesting ways and how to play with you know the the comic format to play with your expectations and i really really appreciate it i'm glad you mentioned that it's really um impressive to see one of the big publishers you know marvel comics allowing this um oh, absolutely you know like they they and dc both often tend to look like very protective of their ips and so seeing them allowing this not only this but you know like howard the duck and the way the silver surfer is right now like allowing those to be funner more whimsical books that like whether or not they're canon or not like they're definitely silly in a way that most marvel books are not and and it's it's refreshing to see one of the big publishers allow that hopefully encourage it too uh because it's definitely i feel like it's definitely kind of pushing the boundaries of what we can expect from them yeah i think that's right i think it really is a smart play and taps into i don't know a a current trend that may hopefully is with us for for a number of years but i just think this sort of you know, return to the humorous comic book, a lighter uh, take is just definitely something that is, um, you know, is something that people are interested in seeing now. And Squirrel Girl, of course, has been uh, successful. I think when they launched it, they had no idea if it would take off or not. And it's definitely I think critically definitely successful. A, I know. Right. Uh, yeah. There's been enough of a following to keep it going. Yeah. So, Brian, are you going to be the, the dissenting opinion here? Uh, I mean, I think I'm more middle of the road because I didn't. I mean, you two kind of uh, hype-trained it up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the problem. I think I we think, overhyped it. Yeah, a little bit. And, you know, I uh, I kind of also didn't know what to expect still because, you know, I, I made sure you guys didn't really tell me much. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, it's, it's very clever, and I really like the smart writing. I don't know how I feel about reusing the Marvel IPs in this, like with Kraven and Galactus and... Hmm whiplash and i uh 
I don't know. It just feels. I I wish she would have gotten her own. You know, like maybe you know, throw in Craven and then like have her move on to something as opposed to have have it be Galactus. I don't know. I just thought it was. Is it because? Is it because of the the sort of discrepancy in how those villains are portrayed here versus how they're portrayed right. normally, like in a Spider Man comic or a Fantastic Four comic? Yeah, I mean, I <clears throat> I know so much about the characters that they uh, are the villains that they're bringing in that's kind of hard for me to forget about that and like you know let myself give into the silly yeah see i i've that those thoughts occurred to me i've done like google searches as far as like is this even supposed to be canon right um because it's ridiculous how she interacts with and even defeats these villains that normally are you know like somewhere between like a moderate threat or a mild threat in terms of whiplash to the normal heroes to like, you know, an extreme threat to the entire world in terms of Galactus. Right. Um, and, and she, and she's, well, she's the unbeatable squirrel girl. So she always beats those villains and she often does it in some silly way or something like that. So, you know, I've just kind of like let myself just bask in it and allow it to be silly and to like accept this comic <laughs> as for what it is, which is just like, yeah. you know, almost like a parody of the Marvel Universe in a lot of ways. And I think it succeeds at that very well. Yeah. And that's why I've enjoyed it is you really have to kind of let go of those, um, you know, those those preconceived notions you have about how the things in the Marvel Universe should be. And if you can think of it as a parody comic and enjoy it that way, uh, I, I think then, then it will do exactly what you want it to do. If yeah. you are looking at it as like a, a literal comic that exists in the literal 616 Marvel Universe alongside the normal Spider-Man and Captain America and everything, then I think you're going to have some issues with the way these things are portrayed because there's definitely discrepancies uh i think it's an important distinction to note that uh she does it very cleverly not like silly it's i think she uses her wits to some extent they're trying to make her uh you know she's college bound computer science major that's true i mean i don't know if they're going for the the uh, the uh counter tropes i guess of uh, or counter stereotypes of women as well you know, so she's clever, she's smart. Oh, I think that's uh, definitely true. Yeah, there's, 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 to there's appeal to that. Yeah, yeah, it's to the new... This is uh, a feminist comic, for sure. Right. And um, so, yeah. So, I think I think there, there was an important distinction from silly to well, clever. Well, but, but they're still silly. I mean, like, you still have her creating a suit of squirrels in one issue in order to fight a bunch of bank robbers, right? Like, she's... Th- I consider that clever. It's clever in a funny way. <clears throat> it's still kind of silly. <laughs> yeah. It's still silly. No, it's great. Yeah, it is. But I mean, I think I think Squirrel Girl's always filled that role. I mean, obviously, in the back of this issue, there's the reprint of, of her coming in and helping Iron Man to defeat Doctor Doom. She references the fact that she beat Thanos at some point in history. So, I mean, I think this is consistent with the Squirrel Girl character as she has existed now through throughout the time that she you know was there in comics. She was always kind of this comedic right side you know, character who could come in and beat these major villains without it disrupting the fact that these villains are major threats generally. Like, everybody kind of understands that this is a jokey off-to-the-side thing, but I I love the fact that then if you're reading a cat, you know, some sort of history of these villains, they talk about all of their, you know, maniacal plots, and then they have a paragraph where Squirrel Girl bested them by... You know, whatever, sending them to a planet full of nuts or something. Todd, do you have just, the collected edition, like in print? Yeah, ah, I do. Okay, 
Okay, is that it? So if you get the electronic version, does it not have the original right. appearance at the back? Yeah, I, okay. I haven't actually read that. Okay, well, anyway, it's it's at the back of the printed version, but it, it you know she's always fulfilled this role. So I think I I think one of the beauties of this is yes, they are bringing these villains in to sort of this side take on them, right? So I think it's still in the same universe, but it's a a comedic take on them, a a, a parody, if you know, as Kyle said. But I think it's still consistent with who these villains are. I think it is betraying the core of who these characters are. They're exaggerations, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah, I mean, but the central the central sort of what makes them tick, I think, is brought to the forefront. And the resolution of, the, of each of these things, well done comedically, I think is consistent with who those characters generally are. Yes. Yeah. Excellently phrased. Okay, should we, should we keep going, like jump into this a bit? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we've got Squirrel Girl beating up the muggers. We've got Squirrel Girl uh, talking to her squirrel, who is yes, Tippy Toe, her sidekick, which is a squirrel that is differentiated from all other squirrels because it wears a bow around its neck. Is that a pink yes. bow? I believe it's a pink it bow. It is. It is a pink it's bow. It's a pink bow. Great. Thanks, guys. It's not a brown bow. <laughs> That'd be awesome, though. <laughs> Um, if there's a squirrel that wore a bow that matched its fur so it looked like it just had like an ear growing on its back like one of those rats that grows human ears oh thanks um (laughs) so we have squirrel girl walking through the park after beating up the muggers and explaining to tippy toe that it's moving day and she's moving into college which means she can finally move out of the attic of avengers mansion which is also known as her secret apartment i like this because i at first i was just like oh she was living in avengers mansion of course she's like you know she was taking care of luke cage's baby and everything but then when I realized what they were really referring to was that she was hiding in the attic like a squirrel, basically <laughs> squatting. Right, yeah, and, and they, they don't she, know she's there, she, which like, that was great. And they have, like, the human-sized hole in the chimney, like, you know, in the attic yep. that she apparently chewed through or something, which I thought was pretty good, because I had a squirrel in my attic recently, so I, I feel like uh, that's totally legit. That's some good yeah. squirrel research there. That is true. <laughs> um, then we, we we see her actually moving into college, and she is carrying all of her boxes all at once because she does have the proportional strength of a squirrel, which apparently makes which, her quite strong. Are squirrels supposed to be stronger? Like, I, I've always heard that ants... Well, I don't know. That's what I was going to say. Like, I was going to give spiders the benefit of the doubt because of ants, right? We always sure, hear about yeah. ants being a lot stronger for their size. But I'm not sure that's even true of squirrels. Like... Well, they can climb a tree very easily, so I would assume they have the strength to hold up their body. Guys, sure, guys, guys, one second. <laughs> Real talk here, right? What what feat of strength have you ever seen a spider actually do? I, I mean, I've never. Right. I, I've, they don't do yeah. anything. They just wait. And then eat things. Yeah, they have sticky webs, and they wait for things to be, like, immobile, and then they go in and they just, like, you know, suck the life out of them. Yes. So yeah, I don't know. So which yeah, is why I'm terrified of them. <laughs> so yeah, I figure like you know Spider Man's whole thing probably invalid. So who cares? Let's just let Squirrel Girl have this. It's true. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we see her continuing to stop another another oh, mugger who's holding I was, somebody. I was going to say something about this. Go for is it. This in one way. All right, we talk about like with with Superman and his whole you know adoption of Clark Kent as his alter ego and whatever. So Doreen Green, who is. Uh, who is squirrel girl so she dresses down into a normal outfit and the the difference is so the ears are a headband so she can just take those off (laughs) but she has a tail that she has to do something with Mm -hmm. so she just basically puts it so that she looks like she has a huge butt yep (laughs) which i thought was great yep i mean you might have a normal butt though that's what got me (laughs) 
Well, but you don't really know what her normal butt looks like because the bushy right. tail kind of covers it up when she's in Squirrel Girl outfit, and then when she's not, presumably the only reason why it is so big is because of the tail. Right. So I th- I think if if you you know have to take on uh, some sort of alter ego with casual clothing, you might as well enhance your assets, right? Yeah, definitely. With, with your absolutely. Uh, oh, nice. You know, pun. she even yeah, she yeah, even exactly. calls it out, right? Doesn't she mention? Yeah, her? yeah, she does. No, yeah. I mean she's aware of it. And who just happens to appear to have a conspicuously large and conspicuously awesome butt. Yeah, that's right. Come on, exactly. Tiffy. Let's do this. She's ready to tackle the world. That's right. Um, I always appreciated that. Yeah. I thought that was well done. Well, we see her actually. She so, But as far as being conspicuous or inconspicuous, she's wearing acorn earrings and then uses one to actually stop <laughs> another mugger. That's true. That's true. <laughs> who is holding up a hot dog? That's what it looks what like. This? Holding up a hot dog stand. I'm sure there's tons of money in the hot dog stand, right? Yeah. Just well, they have a lot of stand. cash. <laughs> there's always money in the banana stand. Yeah. Well, it's New York, right? So, <laughs> and they only take cash, and people get a lot of the dirty water hot dogs. That's true. You, yeah, that's you right. Midwestern that's folk don't know. <laughs> that's true. She's walking to her dorm, and she wait. Dirty water hot dogs. That's what they're called in New York City because they're in dirty water. Yeah, it kind of looks like grayish and cloudy. Yeah, remember oh, that? Nice. Remember when we were in school and like it'd be ham day and the ham would come in that tray full of ham fluid? <laughs> Was the ham fluid gray? Yeah, sure. Ooh. It's like, yeah, it's o- kind of like opaque white-ish, but it kind of looks grayish because of like the silver container it's in. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Ham day. Uh, so she passes... <laughs> she passes another student who uh, she strikes up a conversation with. He's got amazing cheekbones. She's obviously got a little crush on him from the get-go. Uh, awkwardly leaves. Um, let's see. Is that when she has to remember that she shouldn't actually be carrying all those boxes? Yeah, Because right. she's a so perfectly she normal human stuff. being. Yeah. Yep. Right. Um, and then she, she gets to her room, and she meets her new roommate, uh, who is Nancy Whitehead. Uh, right. And Nancy uh, apparently is a... Uh, how would you guys describe Nancy? Nancy. Eclectic. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Nancy... Eccentric? For- yeah, I think so, but uh, she she fits a lot of... Um, this is actually... A, a, she represents a type of character in a way, but actually, you know, a type of person in real life. I think she is akin in some ways to who my wife is, except my wife's allergic to um, cats. But otherwise, the knitting, the tattoos, mm-hmm. you know, she's, she she looks like a future librarian to me. Mm-hmm. And she's she's um Nancy is, is kind wait, of... Wait, wait, so you think this is like a stereotypical librarian? Yeah, that's that's the that's the that's the prediction. Ah. That I have. Down down to the cat obsession. That's my understanding. And the of, and the knitting? Of, yes. Yeah, Abby is very it's crafting is a big thing now. Uh, uh you know. I, I think it's I don't know. I, I, I don't I'm not a, a feminist theorist, but this is some third wave of feminism or something like that yes. where you know, uh young, independent, uh you know, educated women are are adopting sort of some of the yeah. traditional crafts and things like that that, that yeah. women have. Yeah, exactly. It surprised me. Somebody told me that one of their friends or friends of a friend uh, bought a spinning wheel so she could yes. make her own yarn. Yep. And I was just like totally blown away by that. <laughs> yes. I, I, we have we have a new loom to put together down in the basement. I mean, oh, I've got a, wow. there's a whole wall of yarn. I mean, there's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a big deal. We have like two spinning wheels, so... It's a real thing. Huh. Um, Nancy came off as hostile, kind of, to me, like, right away. Sure. Yeah, yeah I, I, think, I think she did. 
I think that's just because of the I think what Todd's saying in these these kind of people tend to be defensive because they yes. don't think the outsiders really understand them. Yes. Yeah, I think that's where it's coming from as a point of, of defense. Um, because of, you know, like she says, uh, here's what you need to know. These are three things you can do to get me to hate you, Doreen. Make fun of my last name, criticize how I decorate, or talk smack about Mew. And Mew is her kitten. Um, so, you know, they have that little conversation, and immediately Squirrel Girl sees Craven the Hunter swinging by i'm not exactly sure what that swoosh is there but it kind of looks like he's swinging in the jungle like tarzan past their window uh and then she says that she just remembered that craven the college administrator messed up her course selection so she has to run and uh we see nancy think about that and say that she's you know she hopes craven didn't mess up her courses too all right so i've got one comment on nancy Mm -hmm. so i i follow erica hendrickson henderson's Uh, she has sort of a, a blog where she does drawings and things like that. I mean, obviously, she's extremely talented. Um, but there was a question that was posed on there as to whether or not Nancy was trans, because she has somewhat of a, a slightly mannish face. And the response was that Nancy is not trans, but there is some character in Squirrel Girl who is. Hmm. And so I don't know who it could be. It could be Tippy Toe, although I think... <laughs> That's what I'm wondering if that's what it's going to come down to. It's kind of a cop out, though. If that's that, the I know case, it would be know? a little bit of a cop out, but <laughs> maybe I thought it's that a was an interesting response. Yeah, it could be. Right? Well, I mean, if you're I trying mean, to actually be. like be progressive in some way, and you have planted that in the comic book, and you haven't made it explicit, that is one way of being progressive. Um, yeah. But to make it tippy toe is kind of a cop out. That <laughs> yeah, would be a little bit of a cop out. <laughs> um. But I thought that was interesting. Rereading it, I didn't, you know, I don't even think that's it if they don't draw any attention to it, which is the true progressive way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you would you would never be able to tell. But it's anyway, Maybe I it's just craven. thought that was interesting. Okay, moving on. Um, so she pulls out her trusty Deadpool card and reads about Craven. Uh, craven says that he doesn't have a quarrel with her. She decides that he's, you know, attacking squirrels. So she's going to defend him to defend them. And just kind of like immediately jumps in and uh, she uses her tremendous jumping strength to jump up in the air and then basically dive bomb him from the sky and says, you're a jerk who sucks. Um, which the, the narrator down at the bottom comments on how clever his writing is on that particular panel. Sure. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we see them tussle. We see him kind of like grab her and hold her upside down. Uh, kind of traps her in a net. I don't even. Would she choose? Yeah, her I know. And there's puns. There's there's puns. There's so many puns, right? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously. Yeah. So if you, you're, you gotta use puns. We we see him use blow darts to try to attack. Uh, oh, and this is awesome. I mean, Tippy Toe <laughs> has her own like Matrix moment. Yes. Like bullet. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> bullet avoidance. Tippy Toe is avoiding the tranquilizer dart just like Neo did at the end of the Matrix. <laughs> and I feel like Tippy Toe brings it up in the future. I I can't remember if she references back to it, but I feel like Tippy Toe brags about that at some point. <laughs> it's worth bragging very, about. Very consistent with the character. The Artwork is the artwork favorite. is very good at like like portraying exactly what's happening there in one panel, which I yes, feel like is amazing. very impressive because like yes. I would expect any other artist to like have to take up like three panels to like make you think, oh, that's a Matrix moment. I get it. Somehow she's able to do it in one. <laughs> it's really impressive with a squirrel. Right, exactly. And it's very interesting because the 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 justification for it is not only that Tippy Toe is awesome because she is, and if 
if she was Neo from the Matrix, I'd believe it. Mm-hmm. But um, there's this sort of explanation that Craven is good at hunting large beasts, but not small oh, beasts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is very much like, it reminded me of the D&D, like, swarm mechanics. Oh, or, yeah. like, Pathfinder swarm mechanics. Sure, yeah. where you can't, you know, like, sure, maybe you're good at beating that huge giant down, but you can't hit a bunch of rats. Right. Or a bunch of bugs that are going to crawl in your armor. Uh, yeah, I think you. we ran into trouble with that one time a few a couple <laughs> years sure ago, didn't did. we? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> We started, one of us started packing some sort of like fireball spell or something just to try to take care of that particular situation. And if it ever came up again, because we had so much trouble with it. We got traumatized and somebody always had an area of effect spell and you would just always plan it just in case there was a swarm. Mm -hmm. Um, So we see her finally get the upper hand on Craven. She gets behind him and she uh, realizes that she started the fight, basically, Um or no, it's it's that he will kill every single squirrel, uh, and she realizes that's probably true. So she tosses him up in the air to gain a moment to think about how she's going to stop Craven the Hunter. And we see the art style change uh, to her imagination as far as like how she's going to stop Craven, and the ideas she comes up with are squirrels in his pants, squirrels on his head, <laughs> tossing him into the air forever and ever until it's the future where everything is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, which I thought, uh, this actually worried me a little bit, because this was what I thought coming into Squirrel Girl, like, is every solution to every problem just going to be squirrels? Mm-hmm. Like, I have a swarm of squirrels that I can make do whatever I want, and so I'm going to, you know, cause them to wreak havoc on you. Yeah. And so that that was what worried me. Uh, but again, go ahead and, and talk about how she did resolve it, which is much, much more clever. Uh, yeah, she points out that, you know, uh, he's Craven the Hunter, and that he somehow decided that Spider-Man was the most dangerous game, uh, and pointed out that that's not necessarily the truth. Right. <laughs> and suggests that he go after Gigantos, uh, a giant whale <laughs> with arms and legs, uh, and, and points out that Craven apparently has been cursed so that he cannot die by anybody. He can't be killed, or he can't die unless Spider-Man kills him. Yeah, have you heard anything about this no, previously? No, I don't know where that came from. I So, I read a little bit about this, so I'll, I'll explain it in my in two or three sentences, because I don't really get it. But anyway, apparently, Kareem at some point was really depressed, and so he killed himself, <laughs> and then some mam- member of his family brought him back to life using spider blood, <laughs> of course, radioactive spider blood, mm-hmm. from not Spider-Man, but one of Spider-Man's clones, Kane. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Kane? Oh, yeah. Back from the Clone Saga? So anyway, they use the spider blood to bring him back. And so then he's cursed that he can never die unless Spider-Man kills him. And so it goes to this long thing, apparently, where Kane then kills him by punching him in the chest and then brings him back to life by doing the same maneuver again and punching him back in the chest, like punching his heart back to life. Oh, my God. And that was supposed to break the curse. But apparently that didn't work. (laughs) Huh. 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 So not, not surprisingly, Kane... One of the worst of the clones? I don't know. It depends how much you hated the Scarlet Spider. Uh, his little trick didn't do it. <laughs> he thought he'd broken the curse, but apparently he didn't. It still <laughs> continues. Well, Squirrel Girl points out that he can't die, so there's really no reason for him to not go down to the bottom of the ocean with 15,000 uh, PSI uh, mm-hmm. pressure and go after giant squids and krakens and gigantos. And he says, I, I had not considered that. <laughs> Perhaps I have been too focused on men, particularly spidered men. <laughs> and so he thanks her, shakes her hand, uh, and then apparently goes off to go hunt Gigantos or Krakens or giant squids. 
Mm-hmm. And then we see Doreen return to her dorm room and introduce Nancy and Mew to her squirrel, Tippy Toe. Um, yep. Which is a good bonding moment because, of course, the main thing that Nancy's worried about is, you know, someone having a problem with Mew because neither of them are supposed to have pets. Right. And so now that they both have pets, they are both breaking the rules together. Yeah. Which is the best way to make friends in college. Yes. And then we see a squirrel <laughs> tapping on the glass of the dorm room, uh, Tippy Toe going up to the glass and talking to it, uh, and then per- uh, relaying that message to uh, Doreen. And uh, apparently uh, what we're supposed to learn at the end of the issue is that Galactus is coming and he's going to eat the Earth, uh, as evidenced by the artwork in the very last panel where he is taking a uh, actual bite out of our planet. Yes, right. That's the imagined future. Mm-hmm. Uh, I-, I like this idea of a network of squirrels. Like, this is believable to me in some ways. <laughs> Although, the squirrels that you see in real life are always competing with each other and chasing each other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I could believe this. Squirrels are everywhere and they see everything. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. That's believable. They, They're not in all parts of the world. That's true. No, you're right. Just the yes. important ones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Scott's think- not here, so somebody has to say the bombastic stuff for him, right? <laughs> Somebody's got to be insensitive. That's right. Somebody has to be culturally and <laughs> culturally, <laughs> racially, every yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, here I go. <laughs> oh, he right. forgot Squir- I was Asian. <laughs> Squirrels are are uh, very prevalent in parts of the northern hemisphere. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. particularly Europe and uh, I North think America. Probably, right? Yeah, North America, north of the Rio Grande, probably. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So issue two opens up with Galactus approaching Earth in his. Uh, we should really. I wonder. I wonder if the international sales numbers on Squirrel Girl for in regions in which oh, squirrels yeah. don't exist. If that's like, I don't know. I mean, can you think if there was some like regional animal that we didn't have any connection to who was the basis for a hero? Capybara would boy. We, right. Would we? Yeah. Exactly. Would we ever pick up that? <laughs> Coelacanth Man? Would we ever pick up that book? Yeah, no. If I think if Marvel or DC was putting out a Coelacanth Man or a Capybara Boy, I would have What's to at least look, check it out, right? Is, it, is the Coelacanth... Um, this is going to be horribly embarrassing if, I, if I'm if i not remembering it. Isn't that that, yep. that like, yep. prehistoric yep. fish that we thought yep. was extinct yep. that then they found off the coast of Madagascar? Yep. So this would be a hero who had disappeared for just thousands upon thousands of years. Coelacanth <laughs> is worth a lot of money in Animal Crossing. I bet... <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is that they find this prehistoric creature who they didn't know existed and then you're supposed to go and fish one out of the ocean and kill it Look, so you can put it in the museum in Animal yeah. Crossing there are conditions upon which you can pretty much guarantee coelacanth catches like you know uh, every time those conditions are met so you can go put one in the museum and then you can sell all the other ones for lots of money mm-hmm. lots of bells mm-hmm. gotta pay you that nook man <laughs> You know someone is, like, grinding that up for, like, some sexual, like, aid. You know that, right? It's all like, man, these coelacanth tails. Oh, God, I can't get enough of them. That horny coelacanth dust. That's right. Horny coelacanth weed, like horny goat mm-hmm. weed. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Okay, so, so issue true. two, uh, we already talked about Galactus. He's on the way. He's flying in a little orb that has a nipple. And uh, then we see Doreen and Nancy heading to a... 
what what would you call this? Like a uh, what do they call? Do they call it anything? This is yeah. This is like a club call out. Yeah, that they essentially did. You know, like instead of how they do it in most colleges, where they have like the individual people will put out like or the individual clubs will put out flyers. This is like the big sort of ever all the clubs get together in almost like a convention style format. Yeah, to try to attract people. Yeah, when I was in college, I had to go to like you know one particular thing for one particular club, but right, this would have been cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like this was like in every movie or something where they depict college, and I was like, I never experienced this either. (laughs) (laughs) This really, you're right. I think it is. It's almost like a film convention of college rather than an actual college reality. Maybe it just wasn't the Indiana colleges that we went to. Yeah. Well, it could be. I mean, but the other thing is, of course, you get the problems just like you have here where the social injustice club is next to the social justice club. (laughs) So, I mean, that's that's sort of the, you know, that's the issue, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I appreciate you want to try to figure out. Oh, did you want to try to figure out what B E E S meant? No, I, no, <laughs> no. I think it's. I th- I thought it was actually bees, but you're right. It isn't. It I mean, is I some just sort assumed of it was some joke. It was a reference <laughs> referential joke to that uh that Halo uh, viral marketing from like God, twelve, thirteen years ago. Uh, oh yeah, right. I love the bees. I love bees. Yeah, yeah, right. Although the guy in front of the We Love Bees. Is looking like he's shrugging his shoulders, like he doesn't even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you may be onto something here. Yeah. This is this is a secret. <laughs> this is a secret Illuminati uh, point. I think. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we will learn the answer by the end of Volume Two of Squirrel Girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. So Nancy finds Tattoo Club and uh, says that, "Oh, I'm going to go to this Tattoo Club." And you know, Nancy is like, "Wait, you've got ink?" And she says, "Wouldn't you like to know?" So then we see her imagining what her tattoos might be. Yeah, Doreen is imagining Nancy's tattoos. Exactly. All knitting related mm-hmm. or yep. cool roommate related. And then she sees Thomas, who was the boy that she uh, became kind of awkward with in the last issue walk by. Uh, she reintroduces herself, and uh, I think things get kind of awkward again, right? Yeah, yeah. She starts thinking about how hot he is. And I thought this was a great visual representation <laughs> of somebody's thoughts overtaking yep. the speech. Because mm-hmm. Thomas or Tomas, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but he's talking about fencing. And she's obviously much more interested in how hot he is. Right. Yeah, the, the thought balloons cover up his speech, like, like progressively more and more as yeah. the conversation goes on. Where it's So real you cl- as the reader can't read it. Yeah, and you I can't read what he's saying. I don't saying. know. Have you guys been there before where you're just like so enraptured by a person that as yep. they're talking to you, you're just smiling and nodding and just like lost in your own thoughts about how hot they are? That's exactly that what's like going on here. All of the teenage years of your life, basically. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't really know anything about the person that you're crushing on ever because you can't stop thinking about how hot they are the entire time that you're actually supposed to be having a conversation. Or how mortified you are about how awkward you assume you are. that's true, too, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So Nancy pulls her aside and kind of, like, you know, uh, talks about how crazy she's uh, head over heels with uh, Tomas. That's probably... Yeah, that's probably right. I don't know. Guess. Uh, So they're in the bathroom, and uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, we see a window to the outside world, and we see a squirrel just, like, splatted up against the side and a big whoomp. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Which is apparently tippy-toes. Tippy-toe, tippy-toe. Tippy-toe? Tippy-toe, uh, who thought that she would break through the glass in a very dramatic way, but did not. <laughs> tippy-toe is like an action movie hero. That's all there is to it. She had her Matrix moment. She wants to break in all dramatic, like Schwarzenegger or like Bruce Willis or somebody, yeah. you know? But she's there to uh, add a little bit of tension to the whole thing by saying that it's worse than they thought and that uh, Galactus is going to be there in an what two hours two hours so we get the countdown clock yeah we get a little galactus what do they call it the arrival counter yes yes with a sort of chibi galactus head next to a little uh, cartoon clock 
Um, yep. So Squirrel Girl, Doreen, heads out to take care of this and changes into her Squirrel Girl outfit and <laughs> decides she has to get to the moon to stop Galactus. So she goes to the Squirrela gig, which is well, her... Well, because if he's already at Earth, it's too late, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's absolutely. already munching on yeah. it then. Uh, so <laughs> we then see her next to the Squirrela gig, which is... <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Um... <laughs> Like, I love that they even thought to stop there. Now, I don't know if this is actually, like, canon, that this was a thing that existed. I assume it's real. But that they even stopped there to talk about whether or not it would take them to the moon is... And it obviously will not take them to the moon. No. No, it can't. But it's There's a, no it's a way. little gyrocopter in the shape of, a, like, a squirrel. And it, it kind of looks right. to me like it's sort of, like, gilded. Yeah, it clearly relies on air <laughs> to go anywhere. There's no way. <laughs> Um, this, I don't know why she didn't even think, oh, it's a regular helicopter. Why would I even go check on it? Yeah, right. Yeah, why do I even do this? It's, it's just referential. Because we wouldn't have I'm a sure joke you, if she hadn't done it. Did you guys see the mask reference? Not not mask, not Jim Carrey mask. I'm assuming you mean mask. like, yeah, the mobile attack. Yeah, the flying cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. There's one, and she's hopping through the city. There's clearly a mask car flying through the air. Is there? Which is awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's not a mask car, Todd. What is it? That that's just a shield car. That's a shield car. Yeah. Oh well, shield <laughs> shield is certainly ripping off mask. The the Camaro lot, like from the mask, mask had gullwing doors that had to be uh uh in the elevated position, and then there were additional oh, extensions that right. came out of the end of the door when it was time oh, to yeah. go into flight mode. The wheels did not turn on that particular vehicle. There was another vehicle that the wheels turned, but that was a submarine. <laughs> You messed with the oh, okay. wrong mass expert. There we go. Very good. All right. So this is this is this a shield vehicle? Yeah, shield has we... flying cars like that. Yeah. Okay. So right. that 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 could easily be a shield vehicle. It could. It's the Marvel. So I mean, it could also be anything else. You know. Um, but shield True. definitely has cars that that have t- wheels that turn like that, like DeLorean style, and then fly through the air. So that okay. that is gotcha. likely a shield vehicle. It could even be Nick Fury. He's the one that's usually associated with a flying car like that. Okay. This, yeah, and a while ago it was like a convertible or something is what he mm-hmm. was flying around in. Yeah, he always he always had some like classic <laughs> looking car like with some like a convertible version of that that he would fly around in through the sky. Really, really silly, but uh, you know, Marvel, I know, but it it, <laughs> it seems silly. like appropriately like yeah. <laughs> dangerous yeah. for Nick Fury to do. Like, yeah. of course, he doesn't need a top to his car. Yeah, while he's flying around. Yep. <laughs> Oh, so we get a very realistic portrayal of what it would be like to be a superhero bounding from rooftop to car to rooftop to car uh, to power lines to boats through the city because we see superheroes do this every now and then. Uh, We see the uh, realistic results of that action in this particular uh, sequence of events because she's crushing the hoods of cars and like upsetting boats and like taking down power lines. Yeah, absolutely. And they said that the end, the the bottom, the sort of we talked about the sub, the lines beneath the pictures, mm-hmm. and this does say that NYC cab insurance is a very small deductible for superhero footprint damage. So it's all fine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the end. Definitely. Um, so we see her. Uh, what does she go to Avengers Tower? Looks like. Yep. Yep. And she uses her squirrel claws to cut through the glass and break in to try to steal some of Iron Man's armor. Um, she uses broken nuts to highlight a bunch <laughs> of right. lasers, a laser grid, uh, to try to like dodge through with her squirrel agility. Uh, right, which this is her version of like Storm in the uh, '90s X-Men cartoon, where she like, you know, where Wolverine could smell the lasers. Oh yeah, which is Ozone. amazing. And then she yeah. brought up the, <laughs> the 
the mists or the mm-hmm. the clouds in order to show them. This is her. This is a Squirrel Girl's version of that. Yeah. Or uh, what was that? Uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones movie, Entrapment. Entrapment, of course. Mm-hmm. Entrapment. Yeah. Uh, so she makes it to the Hall of Armor, where all of all of Tony's old armors are, and it's guarded by two decommissioned armors. It looks like the Mark One and then the the Silver Centurion armor uh, are the guards for for that particular hall. Uh, and so she jumps in and kind of outsmarts the the armor. Uh, yeah, by claiming her headband is a grenade, yeah. so they shoot each other. Yeah, uh, but then when she gets in there, the other armors kick her out. <laughs> uh, right. But apparently that was all just a big distraction because the squirrels have been busy uh, grabbing armor pieces and then, like, you know, ferrying them out into the bushes or the trees. Uh, so she basically cobbles <laughs> together an outfit from that uh, and recreates... The suit recreates itself to the form of a squirrel girl armor. So she has a big, yep. huge armored tail. Yep. Uh, and then... Tippy toe. <laughs> Yeah, right, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Todd. Oh no, Tippy Toe gets her own armor too, which is like a helmet grafted onto a to a gauntlet. Yeah. So it's perfect. It's so good. I think <laughs> I think when I read through this the first time, that was the first moment where I laughed out loud. Yeah, it's great. Well, it's just because Tippy Toe is a sidekick, but it's she's not like the typical sidekick who is just kind of cast aside when not needed. Mm-hmm. Tippy Toe is integral and in everything Mm -hmm. like no matter what it is even if it doesn't make sense to take a squirrel to space they find a way to do it because tippy toe is central yeah she's in it to win it so yeah this basically just looks like uh i don't know like um what is that like the mark four armor or something uh yeah like with this is like the this is the helmet from the um the Secret Wars one era, like the early eighties, uh, with like the the pointy red widow's peak, um, you know, and then like the very the slits on the mouth and everything attached to just a glove, and it's using the repulsor in the glove to fly. <laughs> so we see the two of them fly off, uh, ready to go to stop Galactus. When out of nowhere, Whiplash sees Iron Man flying through the air and decides that he's going to it's his lucky day and he's going to take Iron Man out. So he whips. Squirrel Girl in the Iron Man armor uh, with his his Whiplash whip and brings her down, and that's where the issue ends. We see that there's just a little less than an hour left before Galactus makes it to Earth. Right, and this is the second time we're seeing Whiplash, right? On our podcast, well, yes, yes, because Whiplash was in Demon in a Bottle. He it was one is, of the yeah. the three losers who got beat up in that casino that we laughed about so much. But we did mention that he was one of the only villains that ever had even like you know, like a moment against Tony in that particular run where he had the upper hand at all. That's true. He's much better than Melter. (laughs) (laughs) Or the, what was it? The porcupine? (laughs) Yeah. right. There are a bunch of loser ones. And this is, this is the second, uh, well, not second. There are a number of people who have been whiplash, but that whiplash was somebody else, right? Um, That was the original whiplash. Who was, uh, who was it? I, I just assume that they're all the same guy from Iron Man 2, the movie. No, I think I it's Mark Mark Scarlatti was the first one, who is some sort of electrical technician for Stark International. Mm-hmm. So there was some, that's who that first one was. And this one is some Russian guy, uh, Anton Vanko. That's, who that's was, the one from the movie. Right, exactly. And I think this is, they did it in the comic to follow the movie. So this Probably, is the yeah. second Russian that she beat up, That's or true. is going to beat up. Yeah, in this comic that gets book. mentioned in like the narrator uh, comments or something, right? Maybe it was oh, does the, it about? It might have been the letters <laughs> column. I'm Russians? not sure. I, the, the letters columns are pretty good. Uh, yeah, they are in this in this book. So if you if you're the kind of person that usually like ignores letters columns, 
that's actually worth reading. Uh, also, at the beginning of the issues, there's like a a little like sort of like joke Twitter account going, uh, and those are also pretty amusing too. So uh, definitely take the time to read those if you're reading this book. Oh yeah, well the social media stuff is is presented sort of as the recap, right? So where you would normally get the backstory, it's done comedically that way. Yeah. Um, and so my, my experience is when this stuff is bound in um, sort of a graphic novel format, aren't the letters columns normally omitted? And I thought they kept this one because it it came to some sort of there's actually an effect done in in issue four with it. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is. They use that uh, to basically fake out the reader. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, the the fact that the letters columns are in the bound uh, graphic novel version, I thought was, you know, it, it pays off in that. But I thought it was a nice touch. It, it made me realize how much I've missed the letters columns. Yeah. Uh, in some ways. You know, some letters columns are just worth it. Uh, the Sex Criminals has extremely good letters columns uh, and oftentimes like really long ones. Uh, mm-hmm. They're so good, in fact, that they created a hardcover little like tiny book that is basically just a lot of excerpts from the letters columns. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think they definitely add something that I wasn't realizing that I'd been missing, Mm -hmm. you know? So, it's kind of, the great thing about this is it's really bridging a gap. It's kind of going to the future, but also, uh, you know, kind of going, in some ways for me, going back. Now, the letters columns have never disappeared, but the fact that they're including in the graphic novels, I think, was... Yeah, that's cool. ...was really nice hearkening back for me. Yeah, I don't think I've actually paid attention to letters columns, uh, aside from, like, the Sex Criminals ones, when I realized they were good in this... God, since like the nineties, you know, like since we, yeah, right. we we had to like, you know, relish every single little word we could because we couldn't afford more than like two or three comics a week, if that, you know. Right, yeah. You know, exactly. we had to make them last, so uh so anyway, issue three opens with Nancy uh walking around Empire State University and being uh drawn in by the falafel zone and realizing she has no cash and she sees the campus bank right next to it and they have a sign up that says yes it is totally reasonable to come use our atm just to buy falafel so she- yeah no I, I think that's very accurate <laughs> i think that's accurate to most people these days and especially college students who carries cash yeah yeah definitely so she goes mm-hmm. into the campus bank and we see squirrel girl in the squirrel armor flying over the bank and we see a crash uh we see her crash into the ground and we see that the suit has taken damage because she's been whiplashed uh that's right <laughs> Um, we see Whiplash up in a tree, jump down. He's you know starts to attack her with his whips. She says she has zero time to be fighting whip men in the forest and tries to explain that she's after Galactus, that she is there. She even uses a lot of gesturing. I don't know if this is American Sign Language or not, but um, nope. very explicit gesturing. <laughs> the uh, the hand symbols for Galactus are pretty good. Yeah, no, I think it, I think it's very good. Yeah, she she does the she does the thumbs in the ears with fingers extended mm-hmm. to show kind of. <laughs> to mimic Galactus's helmet. Yes. His classic helmet. Yes. Uh, she pulls out the Galactus card out of her Deadpool stack of villains, Deadpool's Guide to Supervillains, and Whiplash whips it in half. Which, which ad- is the only real damage he does to anything. Yes, that's frankly. true. <laughs> um, but it's the, the first monochromatic moment we see where we see uh, a panel with uh, Doreen just completely red. Uh, and she goes complete squirrel crazy on him uh she starts talking in squirrel chuck chitty chit chit chick <laughs> um and sends well, all her squirrels at whiplash who jump onto his power lines and she points out that electricity electricity only harms you when you're grounded uh so her squirrels are able to run all the way up onto his body up under his mask and they start forcing their way down his like into his mouth yep 
and covering him to the point where he's just covered in squirrels. Uh, the squirrels use chestnut epsilon, uh, a maneuver they've created, where they all hold each other's paws uh, and create a giant net of squirrels to hold him down on the ground. Right, which is like the the, <laughs> the tip the tip of a squirrel uh, technology at this point. Yeah. They replaced it squirrel delta or whatever it was, chestnut yeah. delta. Yes, that's right. It's their best maneuver. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, she realizes that the iron squirrel's damaged and that if it wants to get her to the moon, she can't really use it to go uh, stop a bank robbery that's going on that uh, adult, one of the squirrels points out. Yes, yeah, another one of the squirrels yes. tells her about. Um, we see her kind of quote, uh, she talks about how like she has to protect the campus bank because she is the watchful protector of the dark night. Uh, and then the tippy toe points out that she's not really that dark. <laughs> That's right. Tippy Toe definitely is focused only on Galactus. He just, <laughs> Tippy Toe does not care about the bank. Right. Uh, but she is interested in doing all the superhero things. Uh, we we see the bank robbers in the bank. Yes. And they are straight They were like half in prison uniforms already. <laughs> no, they're well, trying to be like hamburglers, yes, they're right? they're hamburger outfits. <laughs> yeah, they're totally hamburglers. They've got domino masks and like white and black striped shirts on. <laughs> Do you Except think they they're robbing the bank? Jeans. <laughs> what, Brian? Sorry, go ahead. Brian. They have hipster rolled jeans. They do. Yeah, that's they true. They do. That's right. It's. I wonder if they're trying to rob the bank to get burgers, just like <laughs> Hamburglar. They're like inspirational leader. So it's a con- it's a confrontation between them and Nancy, who wants the money for philosophy. Right. Well, then they have an actual like joke interaction over like the value of five dollars, basically. <laughs> that's right. And how much yeah. how much facial reconstructive surgery one could get for right? Because the robber says, "Keep making fun of me, lady, and you'll need those five dollars for reconstructive surgery." And then Nancy says, "What? With five dollars, are you going to hurt me in some really minor way? So I need to like buy a pack of band aids, you know, when it's on sale." That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that whole interaction. I don't know why that reminded me of the uh, the Scott Pilgrim. Uh, you know the. Um, oh well, yeah. <laughs> No, it's absolutely right. I think it's taking sort of these interactions and then using, like, having somebody apply real-world logic to them at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's kind of Scott Pilgrim's... Like the cleaning lady uh, on Monday joke kind of reminded exactly, me of Exactly, right? Because <laughs> she's got the weekend off, of course. <laughs> uh, anyway, we see a big crash at the end of their interaction. We see Nancy is standing up to the robbers quite strongly. Uh, uh, definitely another point for feminism in this book. Uh, and then we see what kind of looks like Clayface <laughs> punching through a wall, uh, but yeah. with a lot of outlines of little squirrels rather than just drippy clay. But <laughs> I'd say if I looked at this from like you know five yards out, I would just look like Clayface. Uh, That's right, and that that is obviously Squirrel Girl in her squirrel armor, uh, which is a ton of squirrels that have just covered her entire body. So she's punching out the criminals with squirrels. Uh, they ask one criminal yells at the other criminal to check the kit, check the kit. Uh, and then we see that they have a briefcase that has three uh, neutralizers for three Marvel heroes, the whole Captain America and Wolverine. The joke being that Wolverine's thing is empty and that Captain America's thing is a Game Boy because it's a wonder of tomorrow that will distract him. Right. I just told one of the jokes, but oh well. Um, yeah, it's, it's not right. the best joke. Yeah, well, and I mean, it did, you know. Anyway, Wolverine's is empty because he's dead already. Exactly. It says, okay, right, yeah. actually, never mind, we're good. Because at this point yeah. in continuity, he was dead. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And he still is, except Old Man Logan's here now. So, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that counts as Wolverine still or not. He doesn't consider himself Wolverine. 
I guess so is uh, what's her name? Laura. Yeah, clone daughter. Yeah. Yes. She yeah, she has go. taken on the mantle of Wolverine in current continuity. There you go. Yeah. She is Wolverine now. Uh, right. Anyway, so the squirrel girl outfit, squirrel girl armor, squirrel, squirrel girl covered in squirrels. I don't know how to refer to this anymore. Uh, uh, I think it's the squirrel armor, essentially. But the squirrel armor was the Iron Man armor. She calls it the oh, squirrel yeah. armor. It's I don't squirrel- know. This 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 gets a name later. It does. <laughs> yeah, isn't this uh, above epsilon? Whatever after is- it's another maneuver. What, yeah, I think. What's you're the right. next letter after epsilon? <laughs> it's chestnut F, everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's chestnut F. Um. Okay, so she or squirrel buster. That's right. So she beats the uh, she beats the the robbers. Yeah. Um. She has a interaction with Doreen, or sorry, she has an interaction with Nancy. Uh, and realizes yeah. that uh, Nancy's actually really awesome, uh, and you see like an interior shot of her inside the the squirrel swarm, uh, pointing out that her roommate is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And then we see her like step out of the squirrel outfit while the squirrel outfit still remains standing because obviously it doesn't actually require her presence to be a, a moving form, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, so she sneaks out the back to go address the Galactus situation while the uh, the squirrel armor continues to handle the robbers in the bank. Um, so she gets back into her squirrel outfit and heads back to Avengers headquarters because she realizes that the armor she has isn't enough to get her to the moon. Uh, so she uh, needs more thrust. So she, it looks like, captures a bunch more pieces of Iron Man's armor and creates a really crazy looking outfit with like, what, three legs and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's six it's legs. A tripod. It, yeah, it's weird. I like the closest thing to it in size is like the Hulkbuster armor, but it is definitely not the Hulkbuster armor. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so we see her actually make it to the moon, and then she kind of like the uh, the armor breaks apart right as she gets to the moon, and she pops out in a different outfit than what we've seen her in. She's now in like sort of a skin tight space outfit with like you know a little yellow bubble over her head. Uh, and you know, I, I think it's kind of a clear reference to Star Trek, given the little symbol on the uh, the breast of the outfit. Um, and we see uh, the armor then reform the shape of a hand and fly up to Galactus's ship, and then you know, create sort of like a halt motion, and then point down to the moon in order to get his attention because she couldn't do it verbally, uh, because obviously you can't talk in space. Uh, well, I guess we haven't got to that joke yet, but um, yeah. Anyway, that's true though. Yeah. It remains true. It does, yeah. Uh, and that gets Galactus' attention, who then kind of forms out from a bunch of energy in the ship and then comes down to the moon. Uh, and then we see Squirrel Girl say that, you know, uh, it's not fair for him. Uh, basically, this fight. So she jumps towards him, and we see that it's going to be concluded next month. Yep. Thankfully, we're not going to wait a month. Um, so we're going to go straight to issue four, the final issue of this particular storyline. <laughs> you had me worried for a second there. Yeah, no, I was. <laughs> do we want to anyway, talk? All right. Do we want to talk about the gags in issue four? Because if anybody reads this, like it's kind of ruined for you. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's yeah, kind of an I obvious want... gag at yeah. the beginning. Cause like I got there and I was like, Oh, ha ha ha. I knew exactly what they were doing. You know, like it wasn't like you really had to stop and think about what they were doing, but still, I mean, I think we've got to go through it, right? I mean, I think we've got to go through it. How about quickly. we just say there's a pretty good gag at the beginning of issue four? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and then they get to uh, they get to the point where they're they're uh, they have a little discussion about whether or not 
uh, they've, they've heard the rumors that every species sees Galactusly, Galactus differently, as in, like, humans see him in a human form, uh, the Kree see him in a Kree form, and so on and so on. You know, like, a brood would see him as a giant brood in a, in a tuning fork hat. Um, yeah, is this, like, God? I mean, in some ways, right? So, yeah, well, he's a cosmic entity, yeah. yeah. Right, God. So, God was there at the beginning of the universe is the idea, right? And so was Galactus, right? They talk about him existing before the Big Bang. And then this sort of sense that we're all created in God's image. So, if there's any alien life out there and there is a God, arguably, the, the way around that is that they could all see uh, him in their own image. Yeah, I, that might be true. Um I know that it's very explicit within like the Marvel canon as that that Galactus is not God in the Marvel universe though there is an actual like analog to God like the Judeo-Christian God in the Marvel universe and that's not Oh is that right? Yeah yeah yeah, yeah the one above all I believe is the name of it. Huh. Um, it's okay. either that or like the creator something like that. There's there's a whole cosmic hierarchy and Galactus is like at the bottom of it basically. <laughs> <laughs> One up from humans. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's got to be above the Watcher, right? Is the Watcher above he's him? Like no, the po- he, I believe he is no. above the Watcher. He's like, um, he's basically he's like the poor guy who eats a lot. Well, that's all he does. But in a way, he's more. He is. He is far more mortal than the other cosmic entities, which are more like they're more like the Endless or something from like Sandman. Oh, yeah. like, you know, they're more of a, a a state in the universe, like like eternity you know or or death right like those are entities within the marvel canon um and they are like they're they are immortal in some way right galactus presumably could actually be defeated and killed well he has to eat i mean there's that right is he cursed to have like endless hunger yeah yeah well it's Mm -hmm. his role is that he's basically like you know how like we're supposed to let wildfires burn down forests every now and then yes yeah like he that's what he is for the universe he represents the chaos in the world that doesn't normally happen because uh, he keeps societies. Yeah, yeah. He keeps he keeps um, growth in check. Mm-hmm. So, like like if 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 all planet if all life in the universe just continued to proliferate, you know, like endlessly, uh, that would be bad, presumably for the universe. And so he is the check and balance to that growth. Gotcha. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so we see that Tippy Toe jumps up into the air and takes a look at Galactus to test that theory that all species see him differently and says, I don't know, probably the same way you do. Giant dude, purple clothes, tuning fork hat, the works. Uh, but we, the readers, clearly see that he is a giant squirrel in a Galactus outfit. So yep. the rumors are definitely true. <laughs> uh, but they take it for granted, so they don't know the difference. Uh, we see Squirrel Girl try to get his attention by punching him and kicking him in the foot. Um tries yelling at him that's when uh, she she points out that you know like sound doesn't travel in space um and then they decide to try to see if he'll respond to vibrations so she touches his foot while she says that they are there to kick butts and eat nuts and squirrel or uh, galactus picks him up and said and let me guess you are all out of nuts uh so this is where we see cheeky galactus <laughs> for probably like cheeky galactus. for probably the first too. time in the entire marvel universe <laughs> Um, do you guys want to go into the details or like, you know, the actual nah, conversations here? I, I, I found this really precious. Yes. Uh, the ending, not so much, but I did find this whole, uh, conversation to be awesome and you should, I don't think it should be spoiled. Okay. Yeah. I think that if you're going to go into this and read this, if there's any chance that any of our readers out there are going to read this particular storyline, we do not want to spoil the interactions <clears throat> between her and Galactus for yes. you because... 
Yeah. I think I think there's a lot of like as Todd kind of uh touched upon, there's a lot of like cosmic and beyond leanings here that they get into and it's really There's cool. references to other cosmic entities and, and like like we've already referenced that she's beat up Thanos, right? Um right. and so they have a conversation about that particular thing and I laughed out loud at Galactus's response to that conversation. <laughs> yeah, well he's he's kind of a petty little you know thing as well you know i mean i think that's kind of the point which is great so good so anyway we see galactus and her bond and then he takes off to go eat earth and she's like wait i thought we were bonding and he's like we were but a dude's got to eat peace and takes (laughs) off and she tries to catch him but does not uh the iron the iron man hand catches her uh, and then takes her into his spaceship where she proceeds to find a way to hack uh, Galactus's computer. <laughs> right, using a very standard keyboard. Yes. Uh, like a 19, like 80s, 19, early 1990s, like mechanical keyboard. Yeah. That's right. Perfect. Yeah. Don't forget the pack of Twinkies next to it. Yeah, it's got some crumbs all over it. It's very accurate. <laughs> it's just like my keyboard. <laughs> uh, so we see, uh, her eventually like it says 25 minutes later she approaches galactus and she points out that the only reason he keeps coming back to earth over and over and over again uh and constantly being you know uh, repelled uh, at every attempt to try to eat the earth is because he knows he's not going to eat the earth he knows that every time he comes to earth they just basically find another food source for him so she compares it to the cosmic equivalent of ordering in for galactus uh yeah and she she tells him that using his computer she found a planet that is uh composed of of like a whole world of acorns basically explains why acorns are so dorp dope <laughs> because they're filled with proteins vitamins carbohydrates fats in other words uh and then he says life energy at the same time she says calories and then says i mean yes life energy that's right yeah uh so they then show galactus the way to the acorn planet obviously tippy toe is depressed that she, she doesn't get yeah, to just... tippy toe should have fought galactus over the yeah. nut planet have it to yourself right <laughs> Yeah, right. No kidding. Um, yeah. Uh, Galactus gives her a little gift as a uh, a thank you for finding him that planet. And it is a replacement to the Galactus card that Whiplash tore up. Uh, but the artwork's a little different. It kind of looks like Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of does. Yeah. I love the little thing that he says at the bottom, though. That Call me like, if you ever want to get into heralding. <laughs> yeah. Such a good joke. Good joke, yeah. Uh, She makes it back to Earth and sees that her squirrel suit is uh, thanking what looks like a police... is getting a handshake from a police officer. uh, So the the squirrel suit has apparently, like, held things down quite well without her. Right, Uh, and the the cops are, like, congratulating him and being like, good job, squirrel man. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Not the talkative type, are you? (laughs) Keeps the criminal element guessing. This this was this was my you talked about your laugh out loud moment and I had several of them but this was my biggest laugh out loud moment mm-hmm. I I I this is totally one of those throwaway things that I had completely forgotten over the fight of, with Galactus that this squirrel suit was still doing anything <laughs> down on Earth and to go back and still have it <laughs> see the wrap up of that yeah. I just thought it was so well done see the fallout so well and everything done. yeah yeah uh, if we get to the favorite lines mine is actually on eight but um we'll get there. Uh, so anyway, we see her uh, rush into her class that she's late for, sit down next to Nancy, who allows her to copy her notes, and then also points out very subtly, or not so subtly, that she, because she drew a picture of a uh, squirrel girl beating up criminals with DG on the <laughs> the chest of the drawing. 
uh, to point out that she has definitely put two and two together and figured out that Doreen is Squirrel Girl, uh, but that, you know, her secret's safe with her, essentially. Um, Which is, I think, also a great contrast, because think of how, like, tortured the whole idea of the secret identity and people learning the secret identity, and especially with Spider-Man, who this whole thing started out with a comparison to. I mean, it's always this torturous thing about who knows and who doesn't, that he's Spider-Man. Yes. Totally smooth. And I appreciate it, too. So that's one thing that uh, I actually really liked about the Superman movie, Man of Steel. I know we've referenced Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman a couple times already on the podcast about, like, all the things we don't like about them, but Man of Steel, I actually still... I still kind of like that film. And one of the things I like about it is that Lois never is confused about who Superman and Clark are. It's never a mystery between the two of them. She actually figures out that he is Superman before she knows who Clark Kent is. Um, and so she's, she's tracked him down. And so like, that's never a secret. And I really appreciated that in that film is that we never had to deal with that stupid, like just that, that whole just completely worn out trope of like you know a love interest not knowing your secret and everything so right, I don't yeah. know it's nice it's refreshing to see that handled differently and also well um, yeah and that was also I think the case in if you go back to like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies wasn't it in Spider-Man 2 the end of Spider-Man 2 where mm-hmm. um, he, you know Mary where Jane it comes out, out. Yeah. yeah exactly Mary Jane figures it out and it's not a big deal yep. like everybody's okay mm-hmm. you know yep Yep. I mean, and, and, and that was like, I, I, they could have waited longer in that series for sure. So it was nice to see that at the end of the second film. Um, yeah, exactly. But, you know, in my memory, sometimes I'd think, wait, was that the end of the first film or the second film? And if it had been at the end of the first film, I still would have been okay with it. Yeah, no, I would have been too. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we see like the uh, the epilogue, uh, the first epilogue, which is uh, Doreen and Nancy getting together and training or something. I don't know. Like she's allowing Nancy to be in the center of the squirrel suit, not the armored one, That's but right. the one that is made of squirrels. Uh, and then basically sparring, uh, which she is very excited about. It looks like we see the credits page and that she will return. Squirrel girl will return in squirrel girl five. Duh. Uh, and then there was a second epilogue that shows this <laughs> whiplash still trapped under the net of squirrels. <laughs> um, and the comments he makes to the squirrels to try to get out are, you know, also very amusing. Um, yes. So I won't read those, but I, there's, you know, like, like we've already kind of talked about it. We've already read a lot of lines. Um, mm-hmm. did, did you guys have any particular favorite lines that you want to address that we haven't already talked about? No, we already covered mine. It was, it was what the cop says to the squirrel man <laughs> outfit afterwards. That, that is undoubtedly my favorite. Mm-hmm. Brian, did you have anything you wanted to highlight? Well, the, my two favorite scenes were the Galactus chat and uh, yeah. and the Whiplash thing at the end, mm-hmm. the second epilogue. But I also want to point out Chip Ma- uh, Chipmunk Hunk. Yes, <laughs> yes, he gets referenced. Yes, yeah. So I just thought I thought that was very amusing. Have you read further into the Squirrel Girl comics, Brian? No, uh, so I stopped at four. Okay, I have not, but I'm going to. Does Chipmunk Hunk actually appear? Yes. Why? Nice. Oh, the hype train! And let me tell you something. He's not the only one. Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, we probably will not continue to uh, cover Squirrel Girl. No, no, there's uh, no attention to in it. any sort of like uh, anytime soon on the podcast. But you should definitely keep reading it in any sort of spare reading time you have, because um, it's it, it it'll pay off. Trust me. Uh, yeah. Oh my god, the the last few issues of this particular run are even better, I think, than the first few. So. Um, yeah, at the risk of sounding hyperbolic, uh, which we talked about earlier, uh, mm. I I would say definitely like this series gets better uh, over time, not not worse. So, um, my favorite 
interaction. My favorite line was um, before they've gotten Galactus's attention, but they're on the moon. Mm-hmm. We see Squirrel Girl say, wait, but maybe he can sense vibrations. That makes sense, right? That among the power cosmets unlockables would be the god tier vibration sensing. And then Tippy Toe says, there's one way to find out, Doreen. And she says, oh, yeah. Are you thinking what I'm thinking, Tippy Toe? And then we see their, th- their word bubbles simultaneously where... <laughs> Uh, Squirrel Girl is saying, let's touch Galactus's foot to see if he can hear us. And Tippy Toe is saying, let's steal some of the power cosmic and then bury it in the ground for when we need it later. That's right. That's awesome. <laughs> Which that Tippy was Toe's another moment where I laughed out loud. It's just like a great squirrel joke. I, I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that, that, of course, that was the joke that the uh, the narrator references down at the bottom of the page uh, mm. also. But... Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about this series. I mean, it is fun. It is amusing. Um, it is mm-hmm. definitely uh, a parody, I think, of the Marvel Universe more so than it is something to be taken seriously. So if you're only in comics to take things very seriously and all you care about is, you know, X-Men and Spider-Man and Spawn, then, um, you know, this is probably one to steer away from. But if you've ever wanted to have any sort of amount of fun in your life and you're not dead inside, then this is a good book for you. Yeah, yeah, lighten up. Jesus, man. <laughs> Great for people who aren't dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh any other any other comments on this? I don't I don't know what else there is to say other than it's awesome. Go read it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm gonna continue to read it. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. I've read uh I'm already started to read the next volume uh, on Marvel Unlimited, and I have the issue that was the crossover with Howard because I have been reading Howard in floppy format, uh, you know, not not just digital. So um, I'm up to the current publication date with Howard, and so I read the most recent one that had Squirrel Girl in it as well. Um, but I'm definitely going to be reading this uh, perpetually on Marvel Unlimited. It's going to be one of the ones that I, I read anytime it pops up there. Okay, uh, other housekeeping stuff we want to do on the podcast. We want to talk about other media or other things we've been into recently? Yes. All right. Todd, what do you got? Okay, well, I, this is not going to be a surprise to you guys, but I'm going to mention... Um, so, I had checked out... So, they have a new app version of the Pathfinder card game yes. that I was looking at. And so that thing, I don't know how rife it is uh, with sort of free-to-play mechanics, but it's a free-to-play game. And so if you want the whole version, you have a one, one-time shill-out of $25. And, you know, I'm, I come from the generation of gamers before free-to-play became the model that was so popular and I'm, you know, I think it's just going to proliferate from here. So I'm going to get off my old man uh, stump and stop yelling at the kids these days. But um, it caused me, instead of buying, you know, instead of investigating that, I went back and looked at some other board game apps. Uh, and I really like sort of resource allocation games. But the problems with those are just getting enough people together who want to play them at one time. And then it's kind of a hassle to set the board up and take it down because many of these resource allocation games have a lot of pieces, right? They have a lot of little cubes that represent various things and whatever. So I went and looked and found, uh, you know, apps for, uh, on the iOS store for iPad. I'm not sure if they've got similar things out there for Android or for other systems, um, but I downloaded Lords of Waterdeep and Agricola, which are two great um, resource allocation games uh, and have really, really been enjoying them uh, in their app format because you can play them whether or not you have friends playing. Um, and there's a great on the Agricola. I don't know, Kyle, you've got both of these actual physical board games. Yep. Um, 
for Agricola, is there a solo play like series on that or not? Uh, the board game, board game? Yeah. Not that I remember. I'm not aware of one. No. There's a, there's a solo series in the app that's actually pretty interesting where you, um, basically the idea is that it's got a score that you're trying to hit and then it starts cranking that up every time. But the thing is you get to keep one of your occupations from the game. So there are various occupations you can take that kind of bend the rules in Agricola. Like, you know, you could be a baker and you could bake bread freely and things like that, which makes sense if you're familiar with Agricola, which the whole setup is like you're kind of creating a farm where you have grain and then you, you know, have uh, cattle and sheep and, and pigs. Um, and, you know, you get scored for all of those. And so you're trying to hit a particular score point. And so each game, the score point goes up. But you're able to keep one of your occupations from the previous game. So you can kind of, it's got this really interesting build mechanic where you're trying to choose which occupation you're going to keep. And then you have a variety of cards that come in each time, which is uh, very interesting and good. <clears throat> and the other thing about it is that these, the great thing about it is that these board game apps were created before the free-to-play model became as popular and so i don't think anybody realized they could get like 30 or more dollars out of people you know over the course of a free-to-play game right where you're kind of buying sort of gold coins or whatever for for real money and these apps are only seven dollars each so i highly recommend them i've had a ton of fun with them i've certainly gotten more than seven dollars worth out of out of each of them so i highly recommend them. yep i picked up a greek after we talked about it uh in what we were using like google chat or something last week uh yeah. so I've, I've done the the tutorial for agricola which is definitely necessary even if you have the game because the way that they set up the the actions board is completely different from the board hmm. game it's a town you know yeah whereas right. on, on the board it's just like a bunch of cards on a board so um you kind of got to get used to the layout uh at first i was a little confused at what i was looking at um yeah if you press the there's a question yeah, mark button yeah. on there and it kind of it surfaces the cards, which I found right. very helpful. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it looks cool. I haven't actually played an actual game yet. I've just done the tutorials, but uh, it looks solid. Um, so I'm looking forward to trying that out a little bit more. I don't know if I own Lords of Waterdeep. I think that one's been in iOS format for a while now. And, yeah, I think so. And I know I've been aware of it. I don't know if I've ever bought it. Um, but The nice thing about that is that the AI on that is actually pretty good. Even on the easiest setting, it'll give you a run for your money. So, mm-hmm. whereas I think one of the dangers is when you're playing against AI on some of these, you know, you worry about whether or not it's going to kind of keep up with you or not. But in Lords of Waterdeep, that definitely is, is the case. Cool. Yeah, my wife loves that game. So, that's one I've played with her and some of her friends quite a bit. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, those are, those yeah. are good recommendations. Brian, got anything? Uh, not really. I have like a total empty void after Dark Souls 3. Yeah, uh, both of us kind of ended up getting sucked into a Dark Souls 3 vortex for the last month and a half or so. Uh, and I think both of us have probably done a lot less, uh, comic reading and other media exploration than we typically Mm -hmm. would. Um, but you have you have a new, another game that you guys are both into, right? Yeah, I actually have a couple things, um, you know, regardless of that, because we finished Dark Souls, what, like a week ago? Yeah. Um, and so in that week, I've done a couple things, actually. Um, and before then, I also actually did read on Marvel Unlimited the first issue of the all-new Wolverine, which is the one that has X-23 takeover as Wolverine. And if there's mm-hmm. any... I've read a few other things on um, Marvel Unlimited since our last podcast, um, and I've read a couple other floppy issues, too, that I've picked up. I haven't had as much time to read as, com- as many comics as I typically do, but that all-new all-Wolverine is the one that I would highlight and say is, is really, really, really good and really, really solid. Um, like, mm-hmm. if you're into the X-Men, if you're into, like, the younger x-men uh that one is one to look at um 
she it's, it's got a very it's got a cool twist at the end that has me really waiting for the next issue i feel like most of the time when i read something on marvel unlimited because it's so late and i'm in bed i typically don't remember the ending of the comic like i i'm like <laughs> not reminded of it until like the next time like a month later when the next issue is available uh but this one i remember pretty vividly because it was a really cool twist so um i would say uh check that out or wait till there's a few more issues up so you can kind of serial read it or whatever but uh that was pretty cool um but aside from comics uh yeah there is another video game i've been playing overwatch that came out a week ago and uh, I haven't been this having this much fun with a first person shooter. Oh gosh, I don't even know if I've ever had this much fun with a first person shooter. Maybe Halo Two. Uh, you know, like that was the last time I can remember just being like, you know, like super ready to come home and play something. Battlefield Two also was another one, but um, that game is it just makes you feel awesome all the time, even if you're losing. Uh, the music that's playing just makes you feel totally pumped all the time. Um, you know, it, it's very good at surfacing the good things that you're doing and not the bad things that you're doing. So you're just constantly feeling like, you know, oh, I did all that. Like, you know, I'm, I've done this much healing. I've done that much damage. Um, you know, I've got that many kills. It just makes you feel like a total badass no matter what. Um, so I would recommend that. And as far as board games go, I also picked up Pandemic Legacy, um, which is the version of Pandemic that has sort of like a serial play style over the course of 12 to 24 games where the game changes, um, not only game to game, but sometimes within one game. Uh, there's several mechanics set up that uh, cause things to change with your characters, with the actual game board, um, and with the, w- which, uh, with the way that the diseases within the game work. If people aren't familiar with Pandemic, there's basically like four different diseases throughout the world that are spreading, and uh, you and your, your uh, fellow players are working cooperatively to try to develop the cures for those diseases. But in this game, everything changes uh, constantly, uh, which constantly keeps you on your toes. But there's also sort of a progressive mechanic to the characters and your abilities that make you better at dealing with things as they also get harder to deal with. So it's one of those extremely rewarding, almost RPG-like uh campaign board games uh the biggest downside i've seen people complain about it is that you actually do things that um permanently change the game itself like you're permanently putting stickers on the board for instance or tearing up cards or there's like advent calendar style things within the game that give you additional things throughout the game and there's only you know you only get to tear those open one time you know um Hmm. i've seen some that's that's a really interesting it is concept that they that's actually what the legacy refers to it's the second game in the legacy series uh the first one was a risk game that used a similar Mm -hmm. mechanic and they're developing uh the, the guy that developed this or adapted pandemic to the legacy style uh is uh at the end of developing another game um that is like a it's like a it's like set in like a swashbuckling like sailing age sort of uh setting and i can't remember the name off the top of my head and that's driving me crazy but yeah i know i've heard great things about that risk legacy yeah there's like a god and i think what i'd heard referenced about that is like there's some nuclear option and it's kind of like just don't open this until like you're ready for the game to explode essentially and that's what happens is basically like at the end like after you've played so many games of risk legacy and you're ready to just upend everything you kind of open that and play the nuclear option yeah and i don't know i don't know if it's similar if it, well, you're talking if about you... rob davio huh did oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah the designer yeah uh, yeah he was so I've heard he... good things about it yeah well, speaking of other podcasts you should check out my friend's podcast three moves ahead yeah and he was on there awesome Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, no, I, I would like to check that out. I, I've read a couple interviews from him, and and I I liked I liked 
hearing what he had to say. Uh, the game that I'm thinking of is called Seafall, S-E-A-F-A-L-L, all one word. Uh, it's described on Board Game Geek as a 4X-inspired game set in an age of sale. Um, and it uses the same... It's not out yet. It comes out, I believe it. I believe they're going to launch it at Gen Con. So I'm going to see if I can't get my hands on a copy there when I'm at Gen Con. Because um, Jocelyn, my wife, and I are loving uh, Pandemic Legacy so far. We've done two games, um, but even just two games in, like the, the differences between the start of game one and like the end of game two feel massive. Um, hmm. So that's... It's weird. I'm, I'm like... I feel almost equally as excited about that as I do Overwatch right now. So I feel like there's two things in my life right now that I'm excited for in a way I haven't been excited in a long time. That's great. Now, I think the introduction of sort of RPG elements to these things, you know, and that's, I think, hasn't that been true in some of the, you know, Descent? There was an RPG sort of element. Yeah, they had a campaign. Right. Yeah. So they've been adding these successfully or not to a lot of games. And I think it's you know, I always like exploring them and seeing how that changes mm-hmm. uh, the game. Yeah. I think it's yeah. very interesting. And, and the nice thing about Pandemic, if you wanted to come and take a look at it, is that you can have people jump in and out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it basically is just going to adjust the difficulty based on, like, how many cards get pulled or, you know, um, it, it self-adjusts just like the normal Pandemic always did. Uh, so if you ever wanted to come over and check that out, you could. Um you know, we can just kind of resume with or without the people that played before. You're even allowed to, like, change characters in between. Um, That's great. Yeah. You even name your characters now instead of just, like, picking scientist. So, <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I'm, I'm super excited about that. Um, awesome. All right. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Is there anything else we normally talk about? Mm-mm. No, that's I think it, that's right? pretty much it. Yep. I'll uh, I'll add in what our next read is going to be at the end in post so that everybody knows. Um, but until then, we should be back in two weeks. And in two weeks, we will be discussing Silver Surfer. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. 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 Bye.